Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hey, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, the podcast where we talk about how to make money, how to keep it, how to protect it, how to invest it, and how to use a team. So that's pretty much every category as we talk about money and business and entrepreneurialism. And today I have uh, Sharon Lecter, who I call my financial mom, who I met in 1996 with the Rich Dad Poor Dad brand and then uh, went on my own. And she's been uh, instrumental in uh, being a mentor to me and helping guide through this interesting uh, author speaker world, as well as just a mom. So welcome, Sharon. Thank you, my dear Laurel. Always proud of you. Always happy to help. And then Shelly, her daughter is here because we're going to have a very different conversation about the Lecter legacy and generational wealth. As many of you know, October 26, 27, 28th, our Generational Wealth Conference is in Reno, Nevada. It will not be live streamed. So we are talking to families in advance to help share what does a conversation sound like in a family? And I think Sharon, right before you know, we began this interview, here's what I would say to all moms and parents is your kids watch you. They watch you from you know, the good, the bad, and the interesting. They know everything. Uh, spoken and unspoken in the way that they were raised in your family. So Sharon, what would, uh, when I talk about legacy, what does that mean to you? I mean, you're the one that really, in my mind, has led the family financial literacy conversation more than anyone. Well, there's obviously legacy creates um, the amount of wealth that you're leaving from generation to generation, but I think it's more important. Your legacy is, is created every single day with every heart you touch. So it's so much more than just money. It is who you are, what you stand for, and, and and the character and the lessons that you've taught your children, your family, your friends, that they can look up to you and know that your their lives are better because of, of you being part of it. And I think that's even more important than the, the dollars and cents. But your legacy is really the imprint, the imprint that you leave in their hearts as well as their wallets. And Shelly, is uh, growing up in the, the Lecter family, I mean, what's legacy mean to you? Or have you seen that be impacted as uh, the daughter of Sharon? Well, I'm really blessed, of course, because Sharon is my mom. <laughs> so uh, I she's left an incredible legacy that she's still creating every day. And, you know, it's it's interesting because when we do talk about legacy, it's so much, you know, money is money, but it comes and goes. And, and of course it's important. Of course, you know, there's so much value to it. And in my eyes, it's about what you can do with that money for others. But yeah, it is about the relationships that are created. You know, my mom has always been about supporting those in need, you know, really supporting the, the nonprofit organizations that are doing good work. And so the legacy is not just about success in people's lives, although that's valuable, but it is about all of those other pieces and parts that we have built in to our daily life and that she's shared with me. Everything I do today is based on that. I provide care for people and I work with seniors. So I'm, I'm a dementia expert. I run memory care communities, assisted living but I'm with people 
that are at the end of their legacy. And so for me, it means something very, very special because I'm watching that legacy come to an end in a moment of time where it's starting on a new level for the families to continue. And so it's something for me in my career of every day that just shines. And that, that's how our, our memory stays alive. It's through our legacy. Yeah, that is. So Sharon, what would you say to the families that, you know, their, their mantra has been, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Meaning, I call it, you know, the, the big five, right? From your estate lawyer to corporate structure and compliance, how making sure you're funded powers of attorney, all the documents, right? Insurance, tax strategy, like all five of those are key players in this, in this planning on the financial side and making sure that your estate doesn't go to the state. What would you say to the families who continue to just say, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And you know, like I know, they won't. And then they leave the very ones they love. Uh, almost, I shouldn't say disabled, but really with a mess. And I see that, you know, over and over and over. What would you say to those families? Well, I'd probably get in their face a little bit and say, tomorrow's no guarantee. And, you know, if the fact that you're stalling and preparing that pathway means you're adding additional burden on your children and your grandchildren, you're also potentially diverting monies and legacy that you created and want to go to them to the state or somewhere unintact, you know, or in taxes. And so shame on you for not taking the time, carving out the time to create the documentation of where, what you want your legacy to be, how you want to establish it. And one of the worst things, Laurel, and I see it all the time, you know, mm -hmm. blood and money don't mix. And so if you don't make your wishes known among your family, when you're gone, nine times out of 10, there's infighting and arguments and litigation and it's so sad. Figure out what you want. Make sure the documentation is there and clearly communicate with your family what your intentions are so that there is a, a, a more, you know, it's hard enough, high emotions, low intelligence. People will be upset when you're gone. Make the other part as smooth as possible by making your wishes known, having the documentation in place so that you minimize the stress. Yeah. And, and most generational wealth statistically today only lasts for two generations, which means really if Shelly, your children would be the last of it because there isn't uh, just this communication. So I asked you, Shelly, you know, what communication, like, again, Sharon's your mom. So <laughs> similar, similar to my kids, they, they really didn't have a choice growing up in this. They've uh, lived and breathed and traveled <laughs> the world. But part of my legacy for my kids was taking them around the world. Like our biggest memories oh. are, you know, 14 air, hour airplane rides to Australia or 17 hours to, you know, South Africa, followed by a business trip to go on a safari. I mean, you know, yes. like that was a huge part of designing those memories. What do you remember most? in growing up in the electric. Oh, well, well, something very similar to that actually, and being able to join my mom on her journeys of supporting other women. And so there was a trip 
for for women um, that were entrepreneurial and trying to create business in Africa. And that was one of my dream places to go. And my mom included me in that. And it was beautiful because you're watching also, you know, using your hands to lift other women up to create their entire life by giving them the opportunity to start a business and their own legacy for their children. And so those are the opportunities that I've been given that, you know, that's priceless. You can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. So those are in, and of course, you know, not only does that impact me, but it impacts my daughter because those same gifts and values and uh, ways of thinking that my mom has given me is allowing me to do that for my daughter too. It's, so, also, two, it's also two way um, world because Shelly's old enough now. She's got her own um, things that she's doing with elder care. And so I step back into her world and support her and what she's doing because I'm so very proud because she's create, she's already created an incredible legacy of her own. And we couldn't be prouder because it's not about the lecture legacy. It's, it's about each of us, you know, and it's, you know, she's is creating the lecture Drew's legacy now. But what she's <laughs> doing, you know, we, we always include our kids and our grandkids whenever we can. And you know, my granddaughter, Shelly's daughter, was on stage when she was about three months old. And you know, she's ready to ready to rock the world herself. And so we can't we we can't be prouder of our children and our grandchildren and the opportunities not only that they are receiving, but the opportunities they are creating for themselves and for others. What would you say, Sharon, to the moms? Uh, I, I hear this a lot with the moms and dads, right on the on the heels of this book being out. Of you know, I've I've already screwed it up so much. You know, there's so much I shoulda, coulda, woulda. So they're living in that kind of guilt space. Um, how do I begin now? Or how, it's too late. I can't get them motivated. Like I'm hearing a lot of you know COVID coma. They don't want to come out of their room, and you know there, there's no communication. What would either of you say to those families that are in those positions? Because those are those are tough. I think if you didn't, what I what I really learned from this book is uh, just the the gift of parenting and how you know rigorously and um, responsibly taught. Uh, how those kids behave versus those who are just kind of left to social media and, you know, on their own and, and now don't have that kind of guiding light. What would you say to some of those families? Well, first, I would start by saying every child is unique. Mm -hmm. And so the way you parent one child is not necessarily how you parent the next one. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's really important to be a mentor, not an enabler. Too many parents are enablers. And so what happens is the kids just kind of give up and say, well, you know, I'm not going to do it, bother with it because mom will take care of it versus being the mentor that's there to support them, let them ask the questions, guide them in the right directions. And it really is each person is unique. Each child is unique and they need to find their own passion and they need to be able to allow to be make mistakes and suffer the consequences. Because that's, you know, I'm where I am because of all the mistakes I made and what I learned. Yep. And so it's really important that we put our kids in these bubbles and we let them, we don't want them to hit the ground. Well, sometimes it's easier for a kid to recover when they're seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 than when they're in their 20s. So it's really important to let your kids learn the, the hard knocks, hopefully not too hard, because they'll be able to have a, a lesson that they can learn that keeps them from having problems in the future. But parents are too many, often are enablers. 
And the other thing, Laurel, I know you know this to be true as well. A lot of parents are afraid to talk about money because they don't want their kids to realize that they need to learn the lessons too, that they're not in, as strong and secure as they should be. But the gift of financial education is the gift of a lifetime. Yeah. And it's so important to be honest and true with your kids so that they can create that confidence in themselves because they know how to spend it by the age of three or four. Oh, so they do. You know, let's teach them how to make it and how to have how to make it work for them. Especially mm -hmm. in this environment. What would you say, Shelly? Being yeah. a mom, you know, because you're an active mom now. I mean, you know, yes, I am. my daughter's gonna be 16 this Saturday. Can you believe it? Oh she my gosh. I know. <laughs> that's that's exciting and scary all at the same time, right? <laughs> no, on Monday she'll be driving herself to school. I'm like, Goodness. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I, I think a couple of things, um, you know, going back to the title of your book and making, making kids millionaires. I, I view that as the lessons that we're talking about mm -hmm. and the, and the values and just the idea you can be anything you can do anything that entrepreneurial spirit, which isn't for all, but it's for a lot. You know, it's that entrepreneurial spirit that my mom has given me to say, I can do this. I know that I can. There's no question because she's recognized those gifts and weaknesses both yeah. and and taught, you know, how do you work with this? We're, how do you build it to its strength and bring on the other people to fill in the gap? Um, and the things that I'm working on now, I've had my business for 10 years, but I've got uh, uh, an amazing software that that is being created that will change the lives of millions and millions of people. And it is it is that foundation that was given that builds me to the place that I am today. And it's the same concept I feel like for our children. You know, in school, it's you you can only do this. You can only be, you know, an employee. Well, you know, that's not for some. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, that's a part of my transition right now. But that's because of my product and, and where that's going to go through this. So I'm still an entrepreneur. My company is in the business that I'm serving across the world. And so, you know, it's 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 just building that that concept that there's no box that our children are living in yeah. it's who they are it's pushing them outside of that box and giving them the beliefs and and I feel like that is not only part of the legacy that we're building in our children but that's how we make them a millionaire that's how we build them up to the place because if it's their passion yeah they're gonna run with it no matter what so I feel that our job is identifying what is their passion and what is it that's going to make them sing from the mountaintops because then our job is well you have your foundation and then they're just going to blossom yeah and so it's so important to involve them early so that they feel ownership in it you know it's really important i'll never forget we're, we're my my grandson who's now going to be 16 in another month or two when he was like nine, we're walking down the, the road in our um, at the ranch because he'd been there when we were selling a piece to somebody, but he didn't understand the logistics. And so he says, you know, Pa, Grandma, I'm gonna be really mad if you sell this ranch. This comes to me, right? <laughs> when you die, I get it, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, 
little ears hear a lot. You want to involve them in what you're doing and that they understand it. Because I have a friend whose sons both ended up with multi-million dollar trusts with no knowledge, no effort, nothing. And the both of their lives have been dramatically impacted because of that amount of wealth that just dropped in their life. And and she still, every day, every time I see her, she just is so upset that she created these irrevocable trusts at early ages for them. And so it's really inherently important for people to give them some responsibility yep. before they get that kind of wealth dropped in their lap. Give them some decision-making, give them some opportunities to participate in the family um, financial matters so that they have some ownership. You know, first, let them start with the nonprofit side. Give them some responsibility to understand how to give away money before they have all this money dropped in their lap. So important. And it just breaks my heart every time I see her because, you know, she beats herself up. She was being a generous mom and it has caused such a pain for her. And I think it's really important as, as parents, we think about with all that money comes responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And consequences, as you said earlier, I think one of the biggest uh, things is decision-making. You know, I remember, you know, Logan at three is when we started this ritual of uh, he didn't want to take their Christmas stockings down. So uh, we just drew a little like shape of a Christmas stocking. And then I drew a line down it and I said, well, we'll just like put those away and we'll work on these. And these will be throughout the year. And uh, we put the year before and all the fun things that he accomplished. And of course, you know, age appropriately when they're two, I mean, they might, you know, like ran or did some little sport or something. Um, but every year since my kids were three, we would do the year before and what they were successful and felt good about and what they want to do as goals in the next year and literally have kept every Christmas like little stocking as a goal setting ritual, but it's something we do between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but just something like that, that little thing has my kids extremely goal oriented. Like, how do you not have a goal? Like, it's it's interesting for Logan to have gone to college and, you know, met a bunch of, you know, teammates now on the football team who until, you know, the goal of winning, but what about your own personal goals, your own, you know, relationship goals, your spiritual goals, your financial goals, like all of that for yourself. And then the consequences when things don't work out. So like you said, that decision-making is something you got to let them going to kind of bounce through it bounce through yeah, it. i think you know i created a, the game thrive time for teens because it's so important for teens to understand that there are consequences to every decision they make not just how they spend their money but how they spend their time and yeah. that you know it, every decision they make either drives them to success or not and it makes them understand that they are in control we are all in control of three things our thoughts our words and our actions yeah. And as soon as the sooner young people understand that, the sooner they will be driving a course of success in their life. Shelly, I have a question for you, given that you're in the dementia and the, uh, you know, I call it the mental health, you know, the mental health of our nation is, is in an interesting space. You know, uh, Logan and a few of his football teammates are uh, doing a mental health initiative with ESPN right now, just on sports and student athletes, and especially high grade student athletes and how that pressure is just that performance pressure. So as I think about you doing dementia, which I didn't realize that's where you're, you've been living in that space. That's gotta be so interesting in this conversation we're having, because if they don't make those decisions before that disease, you know, before it gets too bad, yes. they're, they're going to get made for them. So what would you say to those families who have that, you know, potentially in their gene pool, or they see that potentially that onset 
um, about this conversation of getting planned. I just, I mean, oh. to me, it's heartbreaking. Um, one of the women that we're going to interview on stage, she, uh, her husband was LA sheriff and he was diagnosed with uh, cancer at Memorial day and died at labor day. She had less than three months. She was 44 years old. So that day's yeah. going to come. We all have an expiration date. And I just, I wonder how that is for you being in that space in those families where it's inevitable, uh, That's but right. have different decisions to make. Well, and it's huge. It's huge because a lot of times, anytime we have somebody that's living with dementia, and there's over 120 different types. Nowadays, age isn't just the factor. You know, Alzheimer's is the number one type of dementia and, and age is the biggest risk factor just for that one. But we also have the dementias that are in the 40s to 60s that has no memory loss at all until the very end. And, and it's happening much younger than that. And so it really um, opens itself up to the fact that every day, every day we have these sudden losses and things that we're going through. And if we don't know the details of what is expected or what is desired, boy, is it hard. But it is even more than that, because if we don't have our medical power of attorney aligned, yeah. And mental health power of attorney in Arizona and some states, we can't get the help for them. So as an example, in Arizona, you have to have a mental health care power of attorney if there is a situation where the chemical imbalance changes enough that you have a, a physical reaction and there's fighting going on and, and they're unsettled and they don't want to feel that way. But it is a medical situation, so they need to go to a psychiatric hospital for that extra medical oversight and we can't get them in because you have to have it assigned for somebody to make that decision once they're deemed incompetent and then you have to go through court through you know all of that whole process that takes a long time and a lot of money and i see this regularly oh. and i i will scream it from stage over and over again to the fact that we have got to have these things in order and it like you said, this is for the people that, that love us. Yeah. There's no greater gift that we can give to our loved ones than having things in order and set up and making sure that those right documentations are in place. And it's not just the power of attorney, the living will and all of that, but it's also the details of care. And we miss that a lot. So yeah. we all receive it very differently. Those details need to be a part of it, but um, I see the devastation of those that don't have that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I also see the devastation of the families who I know wanted their money to go to their children, but because they didn't have it set up, it went it's to the state. state. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I, I see all sides of that and I can't stress enough like you, the importance of having all of that in order. Yeah. And, you know, doing all this paperwork isn't like the fun stuff, but um, here's what we're going to do. And I, again, Sharon, if you can make it up here, I'd love to have you, both of you. The 26, we're going to start, we're going to actually have some family stories and just talk about how do you have a conversation? We're having a conversation specialist come and just talk about, you know, how do you start 
especially I find men are more embarrassed or ashamed of a situation they don't want to share. So I always use the game, Sharon, like when I first met you, I say, you know, if you put a game around your kitchen table and start talking about money, right? I don't care if you start with Monopoly, you use cash flow, you use your Thrive Time, you can see my board of the Millionaire Maker. I think we still play games in our family. We play cards, we play all sorts of things where you get away from the computer screen and you are in different conversations. Um, the other thing, I have a new YouTube channel and you have a ton of content. I mean, just anybody that follows, just pick a piece of content. You know, I say, pick a YouTube you know, video and ask your kids, so what did you learn? What's one thing that you learned today? And just start a conversation about money because they're going to have it, you know, and it could all come to them in a really ugly way or in a really, really planned, positive way and to support it for generations. You know, there has to be a lot of responsibility that the kids don't when they get it. To your point, Sharon, our trust, this isn't about trust fund babies. So you nailed it, Shelly. This is about value-based, you know, millionaires who want to serve, um, you know, how do you actually do this documentation? Um, the second day, we're going to meet the big five. You're going to meet an estate lawyer. You're going to meet um, the corporate structure and compliance. You're going to meet how the funding and the documents, like that's the real boring part. You're going to meet, um, to your point, even too, Shelly, like, um, all their medical dealings. I mean, as you guys know, I think Sharon, you know, like January 3rd last year, I had 52 minutes to live, right? So my medical condition is quite different now and just staying alive much less, you know, what does that mean for my kids now? And what's that gonna, how's that gonna affect them? So all of this has gotta be kind of documented. So Friday on the 28th then, after we meet those five, we go through the planning session and we're literally gonna be sitting on a stage around a table just kind of like sitting around a kitchen table. Like, how would you talk to your team? So out there, if you're listening, you say, well, I already have a team. Yeah, but how often do you actually get that team together? It's pretty rare. And Sharon, why don't you speak to that from a financial services? It's pretty rare. An insurance agent, a tax strategist, funding expert, compliance, corporate structure, trust, all these people get together on your behalf. It's pretty rare. And most people don't know how to get that team together. Yeah, I absolutely recommend to my clients that they have a joint meeting with all of them because what happens is you bounce between them and they don't necessarily sing the same song. And so you're frustrated, you don't know what the decision is. So get them all together and find the course that works right because you may very well find that they don't agree with each other and that's okay. But then when you listen to it, you can determine what path is best for you. And it's really important because they all, those things have to dovetail together for you, not for them, but for you. So you need to bring them together so you get a plan that, in, that incorporates what you want from a spiritual perspective for your family, from a financial perspective, um, bank accounts, all those things, plus your insurance, as your insurance used to be, be paying off debt, all that needs, that plan needs to come together so that when you, you limit the drama to your family, they're going to be upset and sad enough when you go, don't make it difficult for them so that they don't know what's happening and nothing's been taken care of. Have it planned out so that you know what you want to have done and have the paperwork there so that you have the least amount of additional drama for your family. Yeah, and an unplanned estate and an unplanned health incident are the number one and two reasons why, you know, takedowns of estates happen very quickly. And even if it's only 100,000 or 200,000 that you're leaving, do all the right things. So you at least all of that goes to your family and not 40, 50% goes to the state. Uh, before we leave though, I wanna hear about the Lecter Ranch. So I hear this is gonna be a legacy. So talk a little bit about the ranch and uh, Shelly, you and your family are gonna be 
part of it. I hear Dylan wants it. So that's not all going to work out. <laughs> yes. Well, when Mike and I got married, you should probably ask your spouse, you know, where do you want to retire? He wanted the mountains and I wanted the ocean. So, um, but he wanted a survival property. And we found this place. We were looking for 10 acres somewhere. And we found this ranch, which is 300 acres plus 43,000 acres of grazing rights in the National Forest. And it's a little piece of um, American and Arizona history. We fell in love with it. We bought it the same day. But you got to walk the talk. So I said, okay, we're going to buy this. It needs to become an asset, my favorite word, asset. <laughs> so overnight, we became cattle ranchers. So we raised Black Angus cattle. And in addition, we created a beautiful lodge. We use that as a guest ranch. So you can go on, on to cherrycreeklodge.com and reserve a room or reserve the whole place for weddings or retreats. And so we turned it into an income producing property, but it's also for um, our family legacy. This is where, and we never thought we'd actually use it as a survival property because it's totally off the grid, all solar power, our own well. Um, and then when COVID hit, our family was all there for the for three, 90 days, for three months. So we actually use it as a survival property, but it's something that truly is an incredible place. It's a little piece of heaven and our, our children love it. Our grandchildren absolutely adore it. And so we want to, we, we're setting up in our estate an ongoing endowment so that it can stay in the family. But again, we need to have that oversight and that management. So um, our son, Phil and Shelly and her husband, um, Jeff are all very involved in what we want to do with it and to carry it on, but also to not have it become a burden on them. We look at setting it up from a trust perspective. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, ladies, if uh, they want to follow you and keep in touch with you, especially Shelly, watch you uh, amass this uh, whatever you're opening up in this software. I don't even know about it. It's like a big secret. I love it. It's very <laughs> exciting. Shelly is recognized nationwide as an expert in dementia care, and she's creating state-of-the-art educational programs and tools that will allow us to take care of our, our, our loved ones in a much higher and much more caring way. So Shelly, how can they find you? Yeah, so they can go to helpmysenior.com. Oh, I love that. What a great yeah. site. Thank you. Uh, and those of you also that are watching our charity of choice, and I don't know if I shared, I've told you, so Randy Sutton, uh, who you and I've met, you know, many times with Frank and uh, at Greg Reed's events, and um, he started what's called the Wounded Blue. So the Wounded Blue is going to be our charity of choice and all law enforcement, other first responders and military uh, pay no tuition to go to this event because they are the very ones especially during the pandemic, who put their lives on the line and many times didn't come home. So uh, we're opening the doors to all of those folks from military, law enforcement, first responders to come and join us with no tuition payment. Just walk the doors and uh, come join us because your family needs you and you, you, uh, at, you, know, you leave at risk every day you walk out that door, whether you're a firefighter, you know, whichever portion of that you serve, we appreciate you doing that. So we're super excited about that addition to our conference in Reno. Excellent. I think that's wonderful. And that's part of, you know, we didn't go into a lot of it. We mentioned a couple of times, but the idea of true wealth and true legacy is impacting other people. And, and, and so you, you know, it's, it, if you just make it to hold on to it, you're not creating a better world. So let's make it and give it back and find ways to support others. And certainly both Laurel, you and I are dedicated to helping other people 
um, learn how to create their own wealth. And yeah. so it's, it's a ripple effect. And so the yes. more you help others, the more, the better you will give. The more you give, the more you receive. And so it's not just money, it's really impact that we talk about. It is. And uh, again, what's the uh, the Lodge, give, uh, give the Ranch website one more time. So anybody wants to go book or book a retreat, book a wedding, contact Sharon. Certainly. It's cherrycreeklodge.com. And anybody with any questions, just reach out to me directly, Sharon at SharonLector.com. And you can go to my website, SharonLector.com. But the ranch is CherryCreekLodge.com. Perfect. And thank you, ladies, for being in this conversation with Legacy Creating. And we're going to continue it on going. Uh, click on the link below, GenWealthConference.com, and uh, come join us. And if you are law enforcement, uh, other first responders or military, there is a whole bar at the bottom that says zero for your tuition. Click on that link and come join us. And uh, if you can't come, bring send your family. Uh, this will be needed planning for them. So we're excited to uh, have that uh, happen and hope you can join us. And any other questions you ever have, just go to asklaurel.com, ask any question, make a request, and we'll get you all connected. So thanks, ladies. Appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed another episode of Laurel's Real Money Talks. Again, every Friday, hit the subscription button notification and listen in to interviews. You never know who I'm going to be finding and interviewing and bringing them to you. At any time, if you have any questions, go to asklaurel.com, ask a question 24-7. We are out there responding and make sure that you have all your answers around money. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.